0: Hello, 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 hello. We're here. We're hello, real. Hello, hello, hello. We're deep in the Perineum. <laughs> this is Refigure A. This is a very special. This is a very special episode of Refigure. To Happy year Happy New Year. Welcome to a very special episode of Refigure, where Reefa and I run down our favourite things of the year on your favourite podcast, talking about the arts, culture, tech, and diversity. Refigure with me, Christopher,
1: and me, Reefa.
0: Hello, Reefa.
1: Hello. Happy New Year.
0: She will do a Jules Holland thing. We'll pre-record it months in advance. And then we'll drop it just in time so that when we say Happy New Year, it's actually New Year when people are listening. Okay. It doesn't really work on podcasts though.
1: Okay. We're gonna run down our very favourite things of twenty nineteen. Woohoo! Are we gonna do the whole decade? No. No, nah, can't be bothered doing just the decade. The just the year. Okay dokie.
0: And this is the last show of the year and of this current series of Refigure. We'll be back in spring.
1: So what should we start with? Our favourite music i think the soundtrack for 2019 for me was definitely lizzo lizzo's album because i love you that's what it's called
0: yeah
1: that was my Go favorite album. that's where the thing i is. know i'm doing it <laughs> so lizzo was my favorite album of the year i had that on repeat there's like five songs on it that i absolutely love i got to see her at primavera she was amazing at glastonbury Um, Yeah, she's the artist of the year for me.
0: That's nice. She was definitely one of the live artists of the year for me. Uh, I think my favourite piece of music that she was involved in was her collaboration with Charlie XCX uh, on Charlie's album. But I did enjoy all the hits of Lizzo. I wonder if she got caught out a bit by her own success, like she started the year as this kind of global cult, fast-rising cult singer... With, know, a who went with a flute, kind of coming in under the radar, got booked quite late to all those festivals and suddenly had huge, enormous crowds. So she'd definitely exploded in a cult way. And then by autumn, she was a huge, global, number one, massive selling artist. And I just wonder if that happened so fast. For example, we saw her at Primavera, and she didn't have a live band yet at that point. She was touring what is effectively a kind of PA set with dancers and a DJ. I mean, she just did Saturday Night Live a couple of weeks ago and she had a band and it was amazing. And she
1: had a band when she did the Tiny Desk concert as well. Yeah. But they seem to be session singers. But anyway, I feel like some of those tracks are very uplifting. There's too many swears probably to play to your kids in the car, but for marginalised people and people everywhere, there's certain songs that I really have to listen to just to get out and about. They're very uplifting.
0: Her live show was amazing. She is definitely one of the most gifted relators to an audience that I've seen for years. She's on a par with people like Freddie Mercury or, I don't know, people like that. She just yeah. gets the crowd. And I did love like her empowerment thing. There's something really powerful in it and heady in it.
1: And those songs, I mean, it's odd, really. It's not mainstream to sing like Good As Hell or like Getting Over A Guy. You know, all of those sorts of songs are like aretha-esque in their in their um delivery but they're not um victims you know it's just, yeah. they're not victim songs like amy winehouse's songs do you know what i mean and also people like i'm I boring you it's a big no, yawn no. on the radio We've talked about this before, like what happens when a woman has support, has proper management and doesn't have people trying to tear her down or rip her apart, where she's like a whole person, where she's come through the other side and she's got skills and she can sing, right, or can play her instrument or write songs. What happens to those women, right? And now we have a lot of role models who are able to do that. But as we've seen with Taylor Swift's speech at the Doodal. Women of the Decade Awards. Lizzo just doing her thing. And if you don't like it, she's wrote a song about it. So do you know what I mean? Just crack on with that. She's having a great time. What was your favourite music of 2019?
0: I had a really good year of albums. I loved a lot of albums. More than the last two or three years, I think. Richard Dawson's album 2020 was my favourite album of 2019, I think. But my favourite gig was we went to that prom... We saw the Lost Words prom, which is kind of like a folk prom based on a load of nature words, the project that the artist Jackie Morris did with the writer Robert McFarlane. And we went to that at the Albert Hall. first prom I've been to for about 20 years. That was magic. That was a really beautiful um, experience, very moving. It was basically interestingly arranged new compositions and orchestra stuff meets a folk supergroup that was good. Also, my second favourite gig of the year was Julianne Baker's solo set at Primavera, which was amazing. But I'm going to also prop that one evening of music that we got in one go, where we saw The Mystery of the Bulgarian Voices, which was an all-women Bulgarian folk choir. Then we saw Shellac play hardcore, and then we saw Lizzo, all in the space of one kind of afternoon and evening's gigging. And that was my sort of best like night of music and that was at primavera and the the sheer the kind of rampant eclecticism of primavera is an amazing experience and we're going back we're going back it's exciting
1: i would like to know now what was your favorite art show of 2019
0: i had an amazing year for art like, I think it was the best year we've had for art in a decade or something. It was incredible. And my very favourite art show that we saw was the group show, high-end group show called une enigme modern or something excuse my french uh which was at the Pompidou center which had a premise that i thought was quite quirky and unusual and might have just been a passing interest which was they looked at the science of prehistory over the last 200 years as scientists started to explore our prehistory started to learn about dinosaurs and then about very ancient humans and all that kind of stuff and then they took in parallel to the science, they got all the great art of the era that had addressed that same topic. But because it's the Pompidou Centre, they had massive hitting power to get some of the great artists. So there was Picasso in there and and uh, Gauguin and all sorts of Magritte and all sorts of great artists. And then right through into the... 20th century and great contemporary artists now one of the most mesmerizing things in there was one of Richard Long's stone circles which seemed to just be floating in the middle of the room it was a huge sprawling exhibition with this odd premise and we went in partly just to go in and wander out of the rain and have a look around went to this show and it just it blew me away time and time again as we walked around there were basically several times where i thought wow that piece of work is stunning outstanding that's enough for me that's good enough i've seen that and it fits with this idea and then at the very end of the exhibition is it jake and dinos chapman's pepe mache dinosaurs on a trestle table at the end and it was like cringing and embarrassing but brilliant at the same time it was just you had all these wondrous huge works of art and then you've got these two knob ends doing dinosaurs out of uh, papier-mâché just chucked on a table at the back at the end. And it was like, uh, yeah, it was just, it was so perfect as an exhibition. I loved it.
1: saucy Uh
0: What about you? What was your favourite?
1: My favourite, and I know this isn't my favourite because I bought the brochure and I've just today finished reading it because I've absolutely loved revisiting the exhibition we went on the last day so we couldn't go back again and it was at the Saatchi Gallery which isn't on our usual haunt um, but it was the Sweet Harmony Rave Today exhibition which it's the history of the rave scene from 1988 to 92 I think it is Um, it's brilliant I just finished it because there was so much going on in this exhibition. It was like this massive fun house with various different scenes of the rave world. And um, I really enjoyed it. Spiral Triber in there and flyers and 808 drum machines. And I enjoyed it so much. It made me nostalgic for a, for a scene that I only barely glimpsed when I was a teenager, but also elevated to the status of um, world-changing movement. Um, I remember somebody once saying to me, maybe maybe 20 years ago now saying do you have rave?" she was american do you have raves in the uk and i was like mate we invented them so um yes that was my favorite favorite thing and i wish it was uh i wish there were more of these and what i liked about the brochure as well is that a lot of them feel like transcribes of, of um, live interviews as well so they're not polished they're just in people's language and Talking about their experiences, like Phil Moffa talks about um, rave culture and freedom and unity and all those things. But obviously, for a lot of us, a lot of them, those people, it was about dancing all night off your face.
0: Kind of ties in with that uh, Jeremy Deller documentary we watched as well. That was one of our favourite documentaries.
1: They were exactly completely. Yeah, and at he the was involved time. in the yes. exhibition as well, wasn't he? Completely connected.
0: Yeah. I think we've got the same second favourite art exhibition of the year, which was the Olafur Eliasson at Tate Modern, and that might still be going on.
1: Well, I enjoyed as well the Shape of Light at the South Bank. Oh, yeah. With the giant ball bearings and optical illusions. We missed the Bridget Riley at the Dudar, the Hayward, but there's been quite a lot of... Int- go on. Go on. <laughs> What are you eating, so it?
0: weird. Sometimes I'm like, put my hand up to speak and I can't get through. And then other times I literally make an expression that I don't know I've made and you stop to wait <laughs> for sorry. me.
1: Sorry, because I'd done my bit of my, my favourite exhibition, but we're not talking about um, our second favourites. We're going yeah. on to the next okay. thing.
0: The Blake at Tate Britain is really worth seeing as well. Yarp. You know, the one with the ball bearings was on New Year's Eve. 2018 that we saw it because after we saw oh, it dear. we went for drinks with Jen and Elaine oh yeah and so that was like that's last year but well, it I missed last it anyway. year's best ofs because it was too late
1: I liked it it's good what are you reading for what are you reading for, <laughs> what, are you reading for?
0: <laughs> what are you reading for what are you reading for Rifa what were your favourite books of the year
1: OMG I don't think I've read enough books I think I've I've um tell me listener email me tell me on the socials is it a thing to like forget how to how to read fiction because i swear to god when i'm trying to read fiction now i'm finding it really difficult to visualize scenes and characters um, because i read quite a lot of non-fiction mainly art brochures biographies and essays so when i try to read um, nk jemison's trilogy I'm really struggling with visualising what's going on. It's really odd. Um, I got given Year of the Flood and Mad Adam, two books out of the Oris and Craig series that Margaret Atwood wrote absolutely ages ago now. And um, I'm worrying about reading them. Anyway, so I haven't read a lot of fiction, but I read loads of non-fiction books. I don't really have a favourite, but uh, maybe the one fiction I actually really liked... And I want to revisit and get my brain back into it. Is the Ministry of Utmost Happiness, which took me absolute ages to read, and I loved the sort of unfurling of this story, where you think the story is going to be about these characters, but they end up being like the what do you call it? That's... Supporting roles, sub characters, not sub characters. What am I saying?
0: They're
1: secondary characters. Secondary characters. <laughs> be, 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 be. <laughs> Yes. Actually, Homegoing I read at the beginning of the year and that's been my most highly recommended book this year. What's your favourite book of the year?
0: I have two favourite books of the year that are flip sides of the same coin and they're entirely different. One of them's a non-fiction and one of them's a fiction. They're written by people in different countries. They're entirely different and yet they're like reading somehow reading the same thing
1: but what are they?
0: one of them is Underland by Robert McFarlane the extraordinary non-fiction journey through the world's beneath our feet, whether it's human made or whether it's natural he's reached the peak of prose he's like uh,
1: peak prose
0: yeah, just an extraordinary journey into, and full of revelation it's a wonderful book, and then the fiction book that's in a weird way the same thing is Richard Powers' Overstory, which I was given by my friends Charlie and Tamsin as a gift, and I am eternally grateful for because it's extraordinary. And those are my two favourite books of the year, although I will say the very best thing I read this year is the new forthcoming novel by J.B. Morrison, my friend Jimbo, but it's not out yet, it's not out till spring, so I don't really want to go, oh, this is an amazing novel and explain why, when it's not out. So it will get that will get included next year in my best of the year
1: what's the next thing that we were going to say was best
0: well the only thing left to talk about really would be tv and film ah uh, so what was your favorite tv or okay. film of the year
1: so my sister only just recently got netflix or access to netflix don't know why then why she's waited so long for it so i was telling her she needs to watch stranger things and the oa but i think chernobyl was up there for me um, but I actually think my favourite, 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 favourite thing, and the reason I know it's my favourite thing was that when it finished, I wanted to watch it all the way, all the way from the beginning, which you only get with really good novels usually, and that was Russian Doll.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, Russian Doll.
1: Having seen like the OA and having seen um, even Stranger Things, all those kinds of quirky, bizarre, time travelling things. And even Killing Eve and um, all this great TV that we've had with amazing female protagonists. I still have to go back to Russian Doll because it was the first one that really explored that Groundhog Day, time travelling, parallel universes for me in a way that was really accessible, that was romantic and quirky and beautiful and had diversity because it's New York, and had these interesting characters. And it was thoroughly entertaining and funny. So that's why that's my favourite.
0: Definitely up there in my favourite telly of the year. Maybe not in my top five, but maybe somewhere in my top 10.
1: But I'd struggle to find something that i wanted to watch for, i mean i didn't want to watch chernobyl from the beginning again no i just not want different... to watch the oa i was scared of the oa partly that. what
0: you're speaking to is a lightness of touch that it was kind of tasty and so even though yeah. it had serious bits to it you just wanted to exist with that character for a bit more mm. yeah
1: it's also like a donnie darko thing of like wanting to when it's time travel like that wanting to go back and like Piece it all together again. Yeah. And did I miss something? It was just, it was just brilliantly done. Brilliant, brilliant. What was your favourite visuals?
0: I loved all the things that everyone loved. So I loved Succession and Chernobyl and Watchmen, who we spoke about the other day. But I gave for me nothing touched the O.A. The second series of the O.A. was just absolutely outstanding magic, from beginning to end. When they decided to give you a cliffhanger, or a surprise, or twist the story, each time they did it perfectly, where you could scarcely believe what had just happened. There were moments in that show that left me completely open-mouthed. They expanded the universe of the first series in such a creative, mind-blowing way. They played it straight, quite serious, but at the same time they had batshit, reality-twisting imagination. I thought it was a work of pretty much genius. And it was gutting because we knew that there was a five-series arc and then it got cancelled after the second series. And if there was one, that is by far, for me, the most unjust cancellation of the year. And I would sacrifice... Like, for me, why bother with a third series of... Stranger Stranger Things. Things. Stranger Things did its job in the first series. It was great. And now they're just kind of looping. And these kids also... It's a problem with really young actors is they're not necessarily as attractive, interesting people once they're a bit older as they were but, when they were teenagers. A bit harsh. Uh, I mean, you know, it's just. I a mean,
1: bit... you've reminded me that the OA partly why it isn't my favourite is because it's so disturbing and because it's so scary in some of it. And I think we talked about this last time that I felt like oh no, maybe I just dreamt it. Well, I really enjoyed Kimmy Schmidt and I really enjoyed the OA. But they're both both of them are about people, women getting trapped. By men in bunkers, and it's just disturbing. So yeah, that's probably why I've made it my first, number one. And also, it's just it is just brilliant, but at the same time, it's it's too. I had nightmares about it, basically.
0: And then my favourite film of the year was Woman at War, the Icelandic film about the woman pulling down the power power lines.
1: Pulling down her power lines.
0: Yeah, she was like an eco terrorist. Oh,
1: yeah, pulling down. Yeah, that's that was really, really good.
0: good. Um, and that's it. What was your what would you say your favourite memories of what's your what's the best thing you did this year? What's your favourite thing that you did?
1: Doing this podcast with you.
0: Oh, that's really sweet. Do you think so?
1: We travelled a lot and I have forgotten. My head is full of stuff. And you're right. We went to Paris and we forget that, you know, we go and see some cool exhibitions in, in London, but you go to Paris and they have got the art with a capital A there throw a load of shit together and it's brilliant yeah i am i really enjoyed that paris trip that's probably my favorite thing
0: more than like barcelona all of that
1: i mean you asked me to pick one favorite thing i know i know we had a crazy year man it's been
0: great this is the year we should be having living our best cheesy life
1: i'm i am living my best bromage
0: thank you so much for listening this year so This is the end of the third series of Refigure. This has been the loose series for some reason. And uh, we'll be back maybe in eight weeks or so with season four. And we'll tighten it up again. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure why. But we will. Goodbye. Have a lovely new year. Find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash RefigurePod. Find us on Twitter. Twitter.com slash... No. At RefigurePod. Yeah, just at RefigurePod. Find us on Instagram Instagram.com slash refigureuk. Be lovely to hear from you. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: See you on the other side.